You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, we're going to uh, continue our study of um, Sefer Achinuch, which is uh, uh, translated as the Book of Education, written in the uh, <clears throat> uh, 13th century in Barcelona anonymously. Um, it's a book that strives to uh, enumerate each commandment of the Torah, teach a little bit about how to do that commandment, um, and then uh, to offer an argument for, um, for the rationale for that commandment. Um, why is that a why is that something that God commands? You know, there's some things obviously that uh, um, you know what what, uh, what are classically identified as um, mishpatim uh, commandments that uh, um, make rational sense. Um, you know, uh, 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 commandments concerning uh, justice, um, human human dignity, the functioning of, uh, of uh, proper functioning of human society. Uh, the commandments against murder, commandment against uh, uh, kidnapping, for instance, and those are classically known as mishpatim, uh, mitzvot that most of us, uh, uh, thankfully, um, would um, uh, uh, abide by, even if they were not commanded. Um, but certainly, if since they are, and that, that they are, makes sense. Um, but there are any number of commandments that uh, that are uh, um, what what are usually identified as chukim. Um, uh, which are uh, commandments that seem to defy um, rational explanation. And so there are essentially two ways of looking at chukim. One is that, um, um, that God commanded um, uh, um, you know, arbitrary or inscrutable laws um, in order to uh, instill obedience. Um, and that's essentially their function. Right, is not to figure out what they're what what you know what they're what they're trying to to do for us, um, but uh, but really they're commandments that are uh, about obedience. Um, you do them because you are following the mitzvot. Right. Another way of looking at it is that they are commandments that uh, that that invite further investigation, um, that invite a, a deeper thought about uh, about what they might be trying to cultivate, in the sense that that all commandments, as the Talmud says, uh, that the commandments are given, that the commandments are given to refine human beings. Um, and so in that sense, what, what we're invited to do for those kind of commandments is to uh, probe more deeply into, into identifying what are the ways that they are trying to refine who we are. Now, you could argue that uh, that the, the very the, the sense that you observe a commandment regardless of whether or not you understand what it's trying to do um, out of a sense of loyalty and obedience, that in itself is a, um, a, a refining element for a person. That may be true. Um, but another way of looking at it is that there's something inherent in each of those commandments that is uh, trying to, uh, different in each of those commandments, that's trying to uh, cultivate a different kind of <coughs> quality or personality trait, characteristic thought um, within a person. So the commandment I want us to look at today, we looked at a couple of different things uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, the last time we met, we talked about the counting of the Omer, uh, which seemed timely. Um, today we're going to do something that's actually related in some ways, and it comes from this week's uh, Torah portion. I figured, why not start with the parasha? Um, and in this week's parasha, we learn uh, the commandment of the uh, Yovel, 
the Jubilee year. Um, it's uh, um, an important commandment, uh, uh, not only because uh, part of it is inscribed on a giant bell that uh, resides downtown, um, uh, which says uh, um, you should uh, um, call out the um, uh, freedom in the land. Um, um, so what happens in the Yovel, in the Jubilee year, um, there are cycles of seven years. Um, in the land of Israel, the, each, each seventh year is known as the Shemitah, or the sabbatical year. Um, and during the Shemitah year, um, we're supposed to let uh, the land lie fallow, not uh, grow any crops, not harvest any crops, um, not plant any crops. Um, uh, and there's also a, uh, um, a, a, a Shemitah Kesafim, which means that uh, we're supposed to absolve debts in uh, every seven years. That uh, if if uh, if, if uh, someone uh, so someone loaned me money and I haven't uh, repaid it by the seventh year, then that debt gets wiped off the books. Um, that's a whole complicated other issue, uh, which we won't get into. But uh, we're also seven cycles of these seven-year cycles, right? So, um, which should, in your mind, um, uh, raise a connection to uh, the counting of the Omer, which uh, has us counting um, seven cycles of weeks, right? Seven countings by seven days, which is uh, uh, 49 days in total, which leads us to the 50th day, which is Shavuot, Right? Um, we do the same thing for years in the land of Israel, or at least we used to do the same thing for years in the land of Israel, which is you count uh, the seven-year cycle, and then you count um, each number of those cycles uh, until you get to seven of those cycles, and then in the 50th year is the Jubilee year, the Yovel year, uh, which functions very much like a, a normal sabbatical year um, with, uh, with, with, one made, with two major differences, um, which are... Uh, that uh, um, everybody uh, returns to their ancestral property. So if you bought or sold a house during the course of those 50 years, um, you have to give up that house and go back to the portion of land that was given to your family um, at the time of the allotment of the land in the Torah. Okay, so it's a really radical restructuring of the social order. Um, everybody has to go home. Um, and uh, you have to give up your home uh, and give it back to the person who, uh, 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 according to the Torah, rightfully owns that property. You can only essentially lease property for a 50-year period. Okay, that's one thing that happens. The second thing that happens that's different is that all slaves go free in the, in the Jubilee year. If you have a slave, and, and uh, ancient Israelites were allowed to uh, uh, own slaves, um, that, uh, that, uh, that in the Jubilee year, in the Yovel year, you have to uh, free them. And that's actually where the uh, um, statement uh, comes that's emblazoned on the Liberty Bell. You should uh, um, uh, uh, declare freedom throughout the land. Liberty, procre- proclaim liberty throughout land is how it's, I think, written on the Liberty Bell. Likrot um, Dror. Uh, um, in, is how it's written in the uh, in the Torah. You should call it freedom. Um, okay, so that, those are the two major differences or two major um, uh, additions to what happens in the Jubilee year um, than what would happen in a normal sabbatical year. Um, and there's a little bit more pomp and circumstance to it. So you uh, um, blast the shofar and you do all sorts of stuff like that.
Okay, so that's the that's the jubilee here. And so the, the question that uh, the Sefer HaChinuch is going to ask is, why are we commanded the jubilee year? Which he treats as a separate question from the sabbatical years. I didn't do the sabbatical year um, uh, issue today um, because... Um, he addresses that in Parshat Mishpatim, where it's first mentioned, um, and I figured since it's not Parshat Mishpatim this week, I would uh, focus on something that's in, that, that's in 